Okay. Three, two, one. Justin, Justin. we're playing. Let's. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no. no, wait, that's not the theme anymore. No. No. We've got a shiny new theme for a shiny new th- show. Plaid Lads 2.0. In the future. Pla- Plaid Lads 2000. We're all wearing uh, spandex uniforms and we're all uh, utopian uh, shade of uh, 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 mocha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gray like the uh, the neutral people from uh, Futurama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me and uh, uh, Frank are wearing uh, leotards, whereas Tom's wearing the skirt. <laughs> from uh, <laughs> season one of TNG. <laughs> what are we talking about? It was just the one part of Encounter at Farpoint, right? That guy didn't come back. It came back like seven episodes later, and then it was done. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, good riddance. Well, yeah, good. Race. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it served a good point, which is to show that like gender constructs in this future I mean, were it, bullshit. Except that they had uh, uh, Counselor Troy in a very low cut, yeah. revealing top that was clearly for the nerd boys to ogle at for it, like five seasons. Here's my thoughts: are Jeez. that <laughs> um, Troy is um, possibly my favorite character on the show, but they never well, use I wonder her. Why. No, because she's an empathetic, um, uh, great, strong character. Um, she's the counselor of the ship. I think that's all wonderful stuff. But then her episodes are she gets uh, pregnant by a I phantom did. baby, and then she loses her uh, powers and uh, is uh, P- PMSing everywhere. Uh, it it gets a lot worse. I don't know what season uh, you're on. I'm on five. It gets worse. Oh. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're not there yet, <laughs> but it gets a lot worse. Um, that's the weird thing about Counselor Troy is they never really figured out what to do with her because you can't make her too powerful or else your plots don't work because she could just figure out what people are thinking at all times. Yeah. So they had to go halfway with it. And at that point, you're just like figuring out people's feelings, and it's too much of a half measure. She, I, I think they actually treat her a lot better in Deep Space Nine. Or, it, yeah, no, is it Deep Space Nine? She, I know she's in Voyager, weirdly. Is she? she yeah, she's not on Deep Space Nine. Uh, Worf uh, goes to Deep Space Nine uh, and dates uh, Jedzia Dex. Or I thought that was the Christmas special. <laughs> With no. R two in a Santa hat. <laughs> no, uh, is, is Troy on Voyager? She's, she's not on Voyager. Is she kind of like a Guinan level on it, you or know, even less than that? I don't think so. I mean, really? I'm not the Voyager expert here. I'm the Deep Space Nine guy, so I I wouldn't know. But I I don't recall that that much. There's definitely an episode. <laughs> where Deep Space Nine's the better show, uh, by the way, J Baby. Listen. 
Well, I don't it, know. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it, so yeah, it's, it probably it's is. It's a better show. Here's all I know about it, and why I don't want to watch it is because I watched like the best scene from Deep Space Nine, and it's uh, the Which captain. It's the, oh, Captain Cisco. It's delete the, this entire person. It's, it's, it's that captain saying, you know, like like all jittery, <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Yeah, man, I fucking committed genocide. I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that from from. My my future star drag i want a nice well, that, that that is a point in a very specific like season long i don't story give arc. a shit i want some goofy antics of a shakespearean trained actor and an android doing a christmas carol with a cowboy there <laughs> they do stuff like that uh there's an episode where uh and they did it before futurama where uh and you don't know who this is but he's one of the ferengi uh his name's quark and he goes back with his brother, who is also a Ferengi, and another character you don't know named Odo. And they did this before Futurama did it, where they went to uh, Roswell. And it's a great, like, comedy episode. Hmm. Uh, and it's... Guys, you I, know... I, I love I, the Roswell fu- uh, Futurama can episode. Can we take but this, this all funny. again? <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think this is great. How are you guys doing? When are we going to keep talking about Star Trek? <laughs> Speaking of uh, deep space where it's cold, it's very cold in New Jersey. What are we thought? Holy <laughs> fuck, it's cold. And it's going to be colder tomorrow. Oh, I kind of... Um, makes me... Th- it's like space... I saw a chart online where it had a map of the U.S. and Canada and which regions were colder than Mars. Jesus. Uh, I saw a thing. Uh, so apparently a lot of the, the way that the media has been talking about the cold, the, the cold in the Midwest, we should say, is a lot colder than here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like negative 15 uh, at the highest right now or some nonsense like that. Uh, and the way that the media has been presenting it is that in like Minnesota and Chicago, it's currently uh, colder than Antarctica, Antarctica, uh, when you know it's summer in Antarctica and Antarctica, Antarctica. God, who cares? <laughs> uh, my point is uh, that it's summer there, and of course, it's going to be colder here when it's winter than there when it's summer and more temperate. All that happens for me is I walk outside and then my mustache freezes, and then that makes me realize how wet my mustache is constantly. (laughs) What are you getting on there, buddy? I don't know. Has this ever happened to you? This happened to me the other day. So I went to blow my nose, right? So I take a uh, a tissue, and I hold it up against my my nose and my mouth, right? And so I, I blow into it, and uh, the, my angle of the tissue um, just shot the snot directly onto my forehead. Well, this, that's this is literally cut. never no! happened to anyone but you. Leave this in. The people need to know. <laughs> the people deserve to know. To answer your question, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> no, that has never happened to me. And Tom, I think I also know your answer. Yeah, I'm, yeah. That's uh, that's a pretty weird one. Whatever. I'm laying my heart out for you guys. Justin, give me some context. I want to put my tender heart in a blender. Spin around to a beautiful oblivion. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Frank. (laughs) 
What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what, you don't want a little Eve 6? Yeah, obviously I do, but not now. It's all about context. Let's go. Enough Let's go, about boy. snots and foreheads in Star Trek, everybody. Uh, what's currently events? Current events. Current events. I'm walking on air. Current Never events. thought I could be so current. <laughs> oh, so cold it is the air. It's that cold, cold baby out there, babies. Speaking of being cold, guys, did you look at the wolf moon when it happened? The wolf, I did not. Wolf super moon? <laughs> I, uh,. Looked up while outside having my uh, nightly 12th cigarette. <laughs> uh, I looked up for a moment, saw that it was like, the mo- where's the moon? And then maybe it's red. Then I put my head back down to look at my phone. <laughs> and then <laughs> well, I... Like, yeah, like, I, I have this thing of like, whenever these big uh, astronomy type events happen, I'm always like, oh... It just looks like a slightly brighter thing in the sky. Why do I give a shit? I can see better pictures of it with my phone. <laughs> I, Who I, cares? <laughs> Glory of nature, my ass. I don't. I don't fully I, agree with that. I can get a high res picture of my iPhone of this. Who I cares kinda, if it's in the sky where it looks like nothing? I look so, at it and find it cool, and then move on with my life. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Okay, so I kind of. I drank in the blood moon, so to speak. Uh, I, I drug out my old telescope, pointed it at it, took it right in. It was really great. It was really beautiful. Uh, um, and that's kind of... I've been kind of getting back into uh, astronomy a little bit lately, Frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although I kind of I kind of hear you. I kind of hear you. Because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, one of the planets that's out right now is Mars. Uh and uh, I found it with my binoculars, and I aimed my telescope, and I got everything just right, and I found it in the focus. And I have different lenses I can try it, but it was still, like, the size of, a, like, a fucking grain of sand. <laughs> and I was just like, well, this is nothing. <laughs> it always kind of makes me wonder, like, how much of ancient astronomy, when they were really just starting to figure it out, like, how much, like, obviously... Ours is a lot worse due to light pollution and things like that. But, like, how much of it were they actually able to see? Mm. I gotta say, though, man, I mean, like, if you've ever experienced properly dark skies. Oh, yeah. It's uh, incredible. Yeah, and you have to realize that for most of human history, that was everybody's experience most nights. So, like, people were more familiar with the cosmos. Anyway, so I've been trying to get back into it. It's kind of, it's rewarding when you can dial in a really nice view although again frank uh i I share your frustration because i also trained my telescope at the andromeda galaxy and uh i've you know i figured it's like it's really it's barely visible to the naked eye but i figured through a telescope i would see like the beautiful spiral disc and uh you know it would be like awe-inspiring yeah it was just a fuzzy thing (laughs) (laughs) you you were able to see a subpar uh video game sequel that's a Mass Effect Andromeda joke Jesus for all you kids Christ. out there. Oh it's a two-year-old uh, video oh. game joke. I've never had so much hate in my heart. <laughs> wow. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm going to start slowly just turning this into Star Talk. Speaking of... Oh, may, better not. <laughs> oh, let's not do that. That's, that. That would be a problem. Speaking of Star Talk, our uh, new host on the plaid, lads. Everybody welcome Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey. <laughs> Hello, boys. Oh, no, please, sir. Is he coming back? We're just going to let back for some reason. Like Johnny Depp, we kind of weirdly just let back. I mean, that's the thing. It's because uh, nobody in power is... <clears throat> Certain people in power are um, are following through for business reasons. Uh, nobody in power is actually um, uh, holding anybody accountable because they need to be held accountable. It's for business yeah. reasons. But that being said... Um, if um, if business is being forced to act this way, then that's a good societal change. But yeah. with things like Johnny Depp and people like J.K. Rowling uh, defending him. Fart, fart. I have to fart every time people say J.K. Rowling. <laughs> fucking sucks. Um, it's it's disheartening, I'll say. She is also a transphobe. Check out her Twitter like sometime. Yeah, I, I was never a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson, to be honest. I, mean, I, I never liked the way he uh, explained things. He, over the years, I mean, not to uh, to admit that I enjoyed some of his work. because I did. I did. I, I, I did, too. And over the years, he's gotten more and more uh, Richard Dawkins-y in his oh, assholishness. But he wasn't always like that uh, in terms of, obviously, his public persona. And and there needs to be uh, uh, science educators and popularizers. I think that's always a good uh, role to have out there. So who do we got left now? Michio, Michio Kaku. Um, no, I, no, he sucks, too. Does he? What's his problem? Yeah. He, when this stuff came out about Neil deGrasse Tyson, he really circled the wagons and was like, no, men of science believe you, Mr. Tyson. Uh, he's also like one of those new atheist guys. Yeah. Like yeah. Ricky Gervais. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess next week I'm going to launch my uh, side podcast. Uh, <laughs> Star uh, Chat with Tom. Star Chat. The... Uh... <laughs> The uh, non-toxic male uh, mansplation uh, <laughs> center for astronomical uh, jackassery. We always have long-dead Carl Sagan. We do. We always have short-dead Stephen Hawking. He cheated on his wife. So. That's the uh, Yeah, but he cheated on his wife consensually. That's true. That's true. Yeah, there yeah. That that is a that is a line I'm willing to draw. You cheat on your wife, sucks for your wife, but you cheat on your wife consensually. Yeah, and you're an asshole, but and you're an feels, asshole, but you're not a monster. I'm working on my Kermit the Frog impression because it's actually also a Carl Sagan impression. That's that's fairly <laughs> accurate. Yeah, <laughs> just bring it down uh, <laughs> a few notches. It's only one more sleep till Cosmos. We are all star stuff. We are all made of star stuff. We uh, are made of star stuff. Deborah. We are we are all made of stars as uh <laughs> fuck, who did that song? 
Speaking of stars, how about the Oscars? The Oscars. Do 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 do. They nominated a, a bunch of shit. Uh, the big front runner, of course, being the currently embroiled uh, Green Book. Mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, for no reason that makes any sense at all, Bohemian Rhapsody is going to sweep it because Bohemian Rhapsody keeps winning awards well, for some reason. Well, I, yeah. Well, Speaking I don't... Of, of things made by rapists. Yeah. Um, That's the latest one, right? That even more yeah. people have come out? Even more people and in more detail yeah. um, with more corroborating uh, evidence. Jesus Christ. But, but that, that shit, I mean, I, I'm not uh, completely in the know, but like that shit's been around and known for years. For this years. Brian it, the, Singer. The, the, the first time I recall hearing about it was around the time that um, Days of Future Past uh, premiered. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it it sounded credible even back then. Yeah, did not stop. I mean, you know, did not stop me from watching Days of Future Past in subsequent years. I still like that movie. Like it's still one of my holdouts. Mm. Um, the one I can't do is the 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 two he did with Kevin Spacey because oh, uh, you're two for two there. Like you, yeah, you can't have a double dose. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But the Oscars, glitz yeah, and glamour. glamour. The stars are out tonight. Green Book are two frontrunners, uh, and Green Book has its own creep controversy. Uh, the director is, of course, Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers. Um, oh. And he had an article come out a couple of weeks ago where he there was a resurfacing of uh, jokes he used to make about exposing his penis to women unsuspectingly uh and also green book was made uh without the direct consent of the uh black the family of the black penis on which it is based yeah and apparently the movie uh whitewashes it and makes it much um so throw that in the garbage what else we got on there we got we have black panther black panther Uh, which it's good. It's good, it, but it's a good movie. And Justin, you and I had this conversation when it came out mm. around this time last year. It's good, and there are parts of it that are great. Yeah, but it's still just like it never becomes that much more than a Marvel movie, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about superhero movies. Uh, that I wouldn't mind getting a nomination like Logan. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I would Logan s- is more of a real movie than Black Panther is. Yeah. And what's more of a comic book movie it was would be I haven't seen the new Spider Man, but that maybe but uh, Spider Verse, yeah. But Spider Man Homecoming, I think, was like the best uh Marvel one. Um but I mean, same thing with Bohemian Rhapsody. I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it's the same as any biopic, and it doesn't deserve to be on there. <laughs> I I've actually heard that it's worse. I've heard that it is near incompetently made because what? Well, one of the things that happened was uh, Brian Singer walked off or got fired. It, it's it's unclear which is which. He either walked off or he got fired. It's probably a little bit of both. Mm. Um, with three weeks left of filming. Mm. Um, so the movie was taken over by a guy who I think did not work on it quite long enough to earn 
the requisite director like you have to work on something for a certain amount of time i believe to get an official director credit on it um so if bohemian rhapsody does win stuff at the oscars he would still probably like get something for it but i don't think he's showing up to the oscars you think this was kind of a a garbage year for movies i I don't think it's a bad year for movies it's a bad year for the oscars yeah, it's a I really, saw a lot of great movies this year. It was a really crappy spread. I mean, what else we have? We have a Star Is Born. But I mean, then is, we if Beale Street can talk, is that on there? I don't think that that's is, on there. Is it's it? not on there, but it should be. Yeah, I haven't well, the seen the favorite. The, the favorites on there, which I I'm haven't seen. I haven't seen most of these, but th- th- there are some great, interesting movies on there. Black Klansman is on there. Black Klansman is very good. What's that one? It's a uh, it's it's Mexican. Oh, uh, Roma. 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 It's on Netflix. I need to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bust, Buster Scruggs is on there. Is that on there? Yeah, I believe Buster, Buster Scruggs is nominated for something. I don't think it's for Best Picture. Oh, okay. But it's, it's I don't think it deserves it. <laughs> it definitely does. You're a fucking monster. I liked it a lot. I think it's I very good. It. I think it um, uh, succeeds in what it's trying to do. What I think it's trying to do is good. But it's okay. It's good. Top three. Top three. Cohen. Top three. Top, top three. Top three. Cohen. Nah. Top three. Cohen's. Uh. Uh-uh. I'm gonna beat you to death with this bluestone microphone. <laughs> top three. Cohen brothers. Um. The ugly truth. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the Hudsucker oh. proxy. Fuck. No, Hudsucker proxy is good. I haven't. It's seen not it. top three, but it's good. Anywho, I think the Garfield movie. It's the best Cohen movie. <laughs> yeah, that one, right? Yeah, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> well, no. Uh, Bill Murray signed on to the oh, Garfield yeah. movie because he saw it was being directed by a guy by the name of Cohen. <laughs> oh, no. I think, I, think, I think it was even like Ethan an Cohen. Ethan Cohen. <laughs> but was he different. that goddamn stoned? Yeah. Yeah, wow. he, he doesn't have an agent, you know. He just kind of... Do we still accept him? Did he? What did he do? He hit Spousal his wife or abuse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His his assault wasn't sexual, so we're more comfortable with it. <laughs> yep, we like uh, we like violence, but keep sex out of it. And on that note, <laughs> and on that note, boys, boys, yes, I, I hear something. What? What do you hear? <laughs> I hear. Well, I hear Justin Dom DeLuise laughing into the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> but I hear I hear a little song. What? <laughs> what's that? I think. What's this? Could it be that we're going, going to, to the, the movies? People and until one of them dies, I couldn't possibly meet anyone else. Well, if anyone goes on the critical list, let me know. Mm. As you can see, she was in serious trouble, but she still found time to enjoy herself. Of course, she never had as much fun as her husband. Now he knew how to relax. You see, it all began when he got off the train. Now there's a relaxed husband. Police probably think I killed him. Instant divorce, you mean? 
From then on, her life was one round of enjoyment. Entertainment. Enchantment? What are you doing in here? I'm having a nervous breakdown. But her life wasn't always that gay. There were times when she was in dire jeopardy. When we played Dom DeLuise laugh. Actually, he's not in this movie. <laughs> he should be. <laughs> he should be. Boys, I think we're talking about Stanley Donan's 1963 romantic comedy classic? Romantic comedy thriller action fun time? Fun classic. time. Classic. Charade, starring Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant. Scrumptious combination there. What? So here's a weird. Jesus, let, I take that back. Let's get the. Let's get this out of the way right away. Uh-huh. Uh, Cary Grant, Grant was 59. He was 20 years uh, Audrey Hepburn senior. I I looked it up and I was actually surprised that oh Audrey Hepburn was 34. Yeah, I was, was like 55. kind of like it was. Uh, I was fully prepared to vomit with rage at her being like 26. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, it's another movie where uh, there's an age gap about that big. Mm-hmm. Crocodile Dundee. No! <laughs> I also watched um, that movie this week. Might. <laughs> That's not a noise. <laughs> Noi. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. <laughs> Anywho, Charade, uh, directed by Stanley Donan, who w- is probably most famous aside from this movie. Uh, for co-directing Singing in the Rain mm. with Gene Kelly. Uh, he, the last movie, fun fact that Stanley Donan ever made is a movie that we should do called Blame It on Rio because it is horrible. Uh, it also involves an older man having sex with a much younger lady, but it's Michael Caine, middle-aged Michael Caine and like a 16 year old girl <laughs> who is his best friend's daughter. Hey, can we, can we, laughs. can we do that, uh, Marlon Brando movie? Oh no no no! It's like Last Tango in Paris. Oh no no that's no no we're gonna stay away from that one. The butter no no no! Give me the Michael. Give me the butter. Anyway, this movie is famously like a Hitchcock homage because it does a lot of things that Hitchcock does, but it does them. A little bit worse. Oh, I think uh, a little bit but, better. But still good. I, this I, is a great movie. It's a lot of fun. I say this um, is better than North by Northwest. That is a factually incorrect statement you just made. No, it is not, because here's the difference. This has a nice, clean, um, um, uh, steel-rimmed plot. It's a much smaller film, and thus it uh, can... Uh, uh, stand on its own whereas uh north by northwest is more of a um a process better film. movie a pro- uh, fellas 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 oh, let's man. not waste let's not okay. waste time here yes but i'll just i'll just get the last word here which is to say uh, 
preferred Crocodile Dundee. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what's the plot, Frank? Anyway. What's the plot? Oh, let's let's, let's go through this. What's the story? Tell me what the... What the... Uh, so this film is about Audrey Hepburn's character. Her name is Reggie Lampert, uh, Regina Lampert. Uh, she is a translator for the UN uh, in France. Uh, and her husband is a gentleman who we only see in two scenes, one in, or three-ish. One in which, in the very, very beginning, he gets thrown off a train in his pajamas. <gasps> Uh, literally as the movie opens, this guy's getting thrown off a train and he's bloody and messed up. Uh, and she meets randomly while she is on a skiing vacation, Cary Grant, who is going by the name Peter Joshua is his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a very fun, great opening sequence, uh, it's got some nice interplay, uh, between the two. Audrey Hepburn is uh, uh, being calm and cool. And a thing I appreciate about this film is she's pursuing him the entire time. We'll get to it, but I have thoughts. All right. All right. They're probably dumb and wrong. (laughs) Oh, look, it's Mount Rushmore. That's so cool. (laughs) Fucking dumb. History going right dweeb. back to North by Northwest, huh? So anyway, uh, so she is on a skiing holiday. She is about to divorce her husband, who, unbeknownst to her, is dead, thrown off a train. Uh, she gets back to their home in Gay Paris and yeah. finds everything missing. Everything's gone. And not only that, but whoops-a-doodle, her husband's dead. Uh-oh. And the French police are like, uh, this actor, by the way. Uh, mm. playing this French policeman. Mm-hmm. He's not doing so hot. Oh, he's doing great. This nose. This nose will fight the best. <laughs> this nose will make me le commissaire of police. Great. Uh, Fun. Also, Audrey Bro. Hepburn's not doing so hot with this accent either. Um, <laughs> not great. <laughs> but anyway, they find in his personal effects an agenda some envelopes with stamps on them, Ooh. tooth powder, and I believe a toothbrush. And yeah, a letter. sure. That makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. And just some junk. Some shit. J- just some junk. Uh, and Audrey Hepburn's character is then called in by a mysterious CIA agent named Hamilton Bartholomew, played by... Walter Matthau! With a mustache. And mustache. he's great in the scene because he's got a mustache and he's got sandwiches and he's yeah. belching. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, is amazing. And so this movie was made in 1963. So Walter Matthau was what, like 73 years old? <laughs> <laughs> he was still Rather drawing a, a pension thousand? from the Union Army. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's uh, all of the characters are are broad and and. I wouldn't even say necessarily stereotypical, but maybe a little like specific sp- stereotypes. But they all have their thing, um, which in a movie like this is uh, is much appreciated because it's it's just about the the movement. It's about the colors. This this movie uh, in many ways is like a. Uh, jingling keys in front of a child. It has a fast pace. 
uh, it 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 works, and and I I think uh, uh, Walter Matthau is uh, great in it. Let's uh, let's quickly meet the super team of the, uh, <laughs> the yes. non-existent Tontine, uh, mm-hmm. the group of amicable murderous stereotypes who are the Power Rangers of trying to get that mm-hmm. money that Frank needs to explain about the money. The yes, each. I was just about to explain that. Uh, so, as explained to her by Walter Matthau, her husband was not who he said he was. Uh-uh. He was- Mm-mm. He was a member of the OSS during World War II, the OSS being the uh, prelude to the like the the precedent of the CIA, as we currently know it. Uh, and he, along with several other men, as Tom said, did like kind of a basically a tontine where they stole money that was supposed to go to the French resistance, kept it for themselves, and they were going to split it. Uh, but they started treating it like a tontine, even though that wasn't part of the agreement. Uh, and suddenly, now that uh, Audrey Hepburn's husband character is dead, they all want the money. Uh, one of them is missing a hand because it was shot off during the war by the Germans. And there is another person who was they left for dead named Carson Dial. And um, oh. mm, who's that? Oh, who's that? But they all show up to this guy's funeral, and they're all like messing with the body, which is hilarious. Yep. Uh, first, the one uh, guy s- uh, first is the nerd. Yes. Who sneezes on him like a fucking nerd? Achoo! Which is very funny. Then you got um, uh, Duck You Sucker walking in. Uh, James Coburn. James Coburn. Uh, uh, with a mirror that he puts under his nose, very stoic and badass. Then he got angry guy McGillicuddy. Yeah. He looks like Michael McKean, but tall. Yes. <laughs> and he's just the angriest little man. He's big. He reminds yeah. me of somebody. Michael that McKean, but tall. With. I just said it. <laughs> oh, boy. But he stabs him with a, uh, with a pin and then slams the door again. He should have stabbed him with the hook hand. That's true. But it would have ruined the reveal of the hook hand. Now I just realized why he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Stanley Donan is a better filmmaker than I am. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Don't say that, Frank. Frank, time. Frank, come on. So anyway, she turns to uh, uh, Peter Joshua, the Cary Grant character for help here. Uh, and he's very accommodating. Like he's being very capable and, and knowledgeable and willing to mess with these three weirdos. And then it's revealed <gasps> what? <gasps> that he's in league with the three weirdos at the end of the first act. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but his last name is Dial. He's <gasps> Alexander Dial, brother of the guy that they left for dead. And I, I think, uh, I think there, I've seen this before, uh, uh, many times. Um, but all of the twists work very well. Yes. Uh, Cary Grant and, uh, hook hand get into a fist fight, which we don't see. Um, Audrey Hepburn comes in and, uh, Cary Grant is like knocked over a bed. Very fun, very light comedic. But with uh, keeping that tension up, he, uh, the 60-year-old man jumps from window to window, and it's fucking tense. But they cut it with jokes. 
uh, a woman says another another man uh, uh, to uh, to her husband, like another strange man looked in at me and and <laughs> waved. <laughs> like a- <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah they're British. Um, but it's this this uh, wonderful uh, masterful. Uh, uh, tightrope walking of tension and comedy and romance i feel like this movie yeah it's like it's a real movie with like tension and tone and mm-hmm. and it's made for adults mm-hmm. speaking and nobody's of nobody's in a cape mm-hmm. the little uh little little club they go to and uh uh, uh something that's really cliche <laughs> now but the the orange passing uh mm-hmm. game with with the strangers where they're just basically humping each other uh, trying to uh, as strangers uh so i think that's all of this movie is the uh, rosetta stone i hate that it's the epitome of uh something it's the epitome of that kind of 60s chic it's 60s check parisian check mm-hmm. audrey hepburn yes. check yes uh uh silly twists and turns double check yes. uh it's the epitome. Uh, it gets copied. Examples are like Archer. Examples are like every wine commercial you've seen in the past forty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's you know, what's that kind of like that saucy kind of bossa nova music? Mm. Uh, it's it's an as- girl it, from Ipanema. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It's an aesthetic. Um, it's an aesthetic uh, uh, guidebook to yeah. to that whole thing. And it epitomizes it, and it kind of affected my ability to enjoy it a little bit because it's like, ah, no, this is where it comes from. <laughs> <clears throat> well, much like um, uh, two movies we've done previously, one of which with Walter, Walter Matthau, uh, mm-hmm. uh, taking of Pelham One Two Three, and all that jazz mm-hmm. were the most seventies movies we've ever done. Yes. This is the most 60s movie I can think of. Yeah. Uh, But what's so wonderful about it is um, it still feels fresh. And I, to me at least, and the freshness of uh, a piece of art always goes back to the the core of it. I think the the story works. Uh, A small, like little rivet in the, uh, the story uh, is this is this the first time we get menacing match lighting throwing? Let, let me tell you about. I feel like there's something else that has menacing match lighting throwing. Let me tell you about this. I I saw this movie when I was young, and uh, that scene of of uh, James Jax. Coburn, uh, her uh, menacing Audrey Hepburn by just lighting matches and tossing them on her lap, stuck with me. And for many years, I had no idea what movie it was from. But it's, oh, it's the fucking performances. It's the, it's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, around the halfway mark of the film, Audrey Hepburn realizes, because uh, she talks to uh, Walter Matthau's character on the phone, that Carson Dial never had a brother. <gasps> So Cary Grant can't be who he says he is, and he reveals that he is in fact Alexander Camfield. Or no, uh, whatever his name was, it's Alex Camfield, I think. And he's a uh, thief. 
he's a and he's thief. a master thief. And this is when she starts to get real horny with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like real horny. There. So let's going to riff on that. But <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Let's get to it. There is a what <laughs> the horny. No. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. At every avenue, whenever Audrey Hepburn's character is shown to be competent and savvy and capable, she instantly flips a switch into marriage crazy for Cary Grant. Yeah. And it happens probably most egregiously at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that part. We'll We'll get get to to it. But... I agree with you. Here's a thing that <clears throat> there I mean there's no there's no um getting around it. It's but it's it is of the time and yeah. I don't think it's as as egregious because I f- think Cary Grant is so fucking charming. Uh He's too old. He's way too old. He is. He is. To be doing this. But, well, I mean, that's why I say um, this feels a lot better than many, anything else of the time. They kind of talk about it. They engage with it. Uh, She kind of chides him for don't come over all paternal at me Mm. uh, when she's uh, throwing herself at him. Uh, also, like, you have to take into the context of what marriage was at this point in time. Uh, That's mar- true. Marriage was a lot... <laughs> We're millennials, guys. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get married after we, uh, let, uh, IBM Watson, uh, sort through our, uh, OkCupid, uh, profiles to find, uh, the highest probability of success, and then we'll probably still won't get married. People just got married flippity-floppity back then, yeah. uh, just for no reason. And the age difference thing, it is what it is. It's a thing. It's a proclivity of human beings. Sure, it's codified and deified by patriarchy, but it still exists. It's still a a thing. Yeah, that's true. Plus, he's Cary um, fucking Grant. He's Cary Grant. I mean, he does look 60. (laughs) He Um, looks very old. But but like I said, like I said before, I I was pleasantly surprised that uh, Audrey Hepburn was as old as she was. So fucking old. And mm. not and not younger. Uh, gross. 34. Get out of here, Grandma. But, but I mean, it's, it's, it is a weird dynamic between the two the whole time. But things I will say that I found interesting for in the context of the time is she was pursuing him the entire time. So she is a very horny... <laughs> Yes, and, and she's she's going for it. He is uh, as much as Cary Grant can in a film is uh, standoffish about that. Um, while at the same time being so fucking charming, him him taking a shower with the door open with his whole suit on, fun. Yes. That and that scene comes, and this is what's so great about this movie is that balance of tone. Mm-hmm. That scene comes crucially a second before she's made to doubt him again. Yeah, and it's amazing because you could see, and Audrey Hepburn's a great actress, and she obviously had that huge face, mm-hmm. uh, the the really expressive face. Yeah, um, and you can always see it in her eyes mm-hmm. when that expression changes because she had big eyes. And she had like these really expressive eyes Uh, and the look in her eyes when she comes to believe 
that once again he's not who he says he is mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, Frank, I don't know. It kind of sounds like you have a crush on Audrey Hepburn. Ew, girls, girls have cooties. Anyway, <laughs> so someone says if she's the most beautiful woman who <laughs> ever lived <laughs> in the history of film, um, and a really nice lady, and probably a really nice lady. Um. Anyway, uh, so she comes to believe that he is a thief uh, named Alex Canfield. And then suddenly all three of the dipshits in the Tontines start dying <laughs> in increasingly brutal ways. Which, like, oh, my God, I love. Well, I think even before that, um, we we get there are a few fight scenes in the movie and. And there are at times in the fight scenes the big wild swings of a of a 1960s uh, movie fight, but there's for the time a lot of grappling and yes. and pushing and pulling. It looks like two older men fighting. I appreciate it uh, when uh, Claw uh, scratches uh, him in the back. You see like gross blood. Yeah. It's there. Is, no, keep going. No, it's. I loved the violence in this, um, especially compared to so much of the stuff of the time. Because one, it is brutal. I uh, and two, it is for the most part fairly uh, realistic in the sense that it's not. Uh, it's not that heightened. I mean, like later on, you see a dude with his fucking throat slit and it's gory. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, James Coburn gets it in a way that is like a real, oddly enough, like the way James Coburn gets it always freaks me out in movies. Mm. The paper, the plastic bag over the head for yeah. some reason, like I, that fuck that freaks me out. Guys, you didn't get that. He, it was auto erotic asphyxiation. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's jerking it yeah. to, uh, to dial. That's why he's writing it on the floor <laughs> in the carpet. Um, and there is one, I don't know if you guys caught this. There is one out and out James Tiberius Kirk Kia. <laughs> <laughs> That Cary Grant does, uh, where he kicks the gun out of Claw Guy's hand. Yeah. It's it's pretty great. <laughs> there were no palm punches though, so I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. No. Um, so, so anyway, um, as these three dipshits start dying, uh, Audrey Hepburn's character comes to suspect Cary Grant's character of being the one who is killing all of them. And taking the money. And throughout Uh, the movie, she keeps calling Walter Matthau. uh, And he's the one who keeps giving her more and more information uh, that uh, makes uh, Cary Grant seem uh, so suspicious. Carry on. Yes. And there is a series of clues that lead them to realize that the money did not... Uh, come in the form of cash or gold anymore that uh, Audrey Hepburn came in the form of a fun adventure that they would cherish forever and the <laughs> yes. love that they've found uh, it came in the movie. form of rare stamps that were purchased by Cary Grant, uh, Audrey Hepburn's husband that he affixed to the envelopes that he had in his bag mm-hmm. uh, envelopes that were taken and sold by the 
annoying ass little French kid. Yes. Uh, oh God, I hated him so much. He sucks. So Here's bad. how much, how I would like him more. He needed to have be a little chubbier, and he needed to have chocolate on his face at all times. He's French, I not German. See that little kid's head get ventilated by James Coburn. Uh, um, can I say my one of my favorite scenes in the film is when they they go and refined the stamps yes and, and it's a, a french uh stamp guy philatler mm-hmm. and he tells them the history of all of them and he's just in awe of these fucking stamps and he won't take them because he says i am not a thief and mm-hmm. i'm not going to even though they were given to me in exchange for these stamp the these crappy stamps that i gave this little kid so I am not going to take them from you. My greatest joy was to be in their presence. Yeah, and it's oh, it's so fucking beautiful. Then uh, we've 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 got the stamps back. But oh no, uh, what's happening? What's happening? Say it, Frank. Oh. <laughs> okay, so what's happening is Cary Grant is now after Audrey Hepburn because he wants those stamps, and so she's trying to get in contact with Walter Matthau's character, and. She tells Walter Matthau's character where to meet, and they have a little chase scene through the Paris uh, subway, and she tries to call Hamilton Bartholomew at the CIA office from a payphone, and a Hamilton Bartholomew connects to the operator, and it sure shit ain't Walter Matthau. Yep. Oh, I'm so, some bald guy. Oh, she must be confused. <laughs> See, I think that's another piece of... Uh, this movie is... Perfect. And by perfect, I don't necessarily mean great, even though I think it's great. But um, uh, perfect meaning you see a, a perfectly shaped pretzel. Yes. And that's what you imagine a pretzel looks like. And it might taste like shit. It doesn't matter. But that is a pretzel. Um, they have that scene in there. They reveal to the audience that Walter Matthau is not who he says he is doesn't reveal it to the rest of them at the exact right time. Yes. Um, and it's just a short scene. Uh, they could have done something with it earlier. They could have played up the suspense of who uh, Walter Matthau is. No, the whole movie, we're trusting it. Um, and they just add this little fucking scene, and I appreciated it so much. And I think that it, it's perfect. It's great. And come to find out that Walter Matthau is, in fact, Carson Dial, the man that they all left for dead from the OSS uh, in Nazi Germany. He got all shot to shit. Uh, and he was like, I was in a Nazi prison camp and I didn't have nothing for the pain. <laughs> that was Walter pretty Matthau solid. Impre- that was, that <laughs> was Walter good. Matthau impression, ladies and gentlemen. That was pretty good. Uh, if we do more Walter Matthau movies, I'm going to keep doing it. That's a threat. Hey, hey, hey there, Walter Matthau. Uh, it's me, Marlon Brando. <laughs> uh, anyway. Carrie Grant. <laughs> Cowie Grant. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I'm Cowie so, Grant. <laughs> all right. I'm Cowie Grant. I'm a baby. <laughs> um, so any, anyway, Walter Matthau chases them to the opera house uh, where he's cornering uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn, who is in, I guess, is that the orchestra box? She's, she's in the light in? box. She's the light in, box? Yeah. Uh, 
um, and Cary Grant is underneath the stage, and he uses the grids of the trap doors and the sound of Walter Matthau's steps on the grids of the trap doors to figure out which trap door lever to pull. And at the moment when he's about to shoot Audrey Hepburn, uh, Cary Grant pulls the lever and Walter Matthau falls, I guess, to his death, even I, though yeah, I don't think that would kill him. At most, like, at most break an ankle. Yeah. I, I, fully, I fully expected, because he falls and then Cary Grant like walks toward him, I fully expected uh, Cary Grant to shoot him in the head and finish well, the I, job. I wanted Walter Matthau to roll over and be like, ow, <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> I wanted like a blood puddle. Like I, he landed, but we didn't get a snap. You yeah, know what I mean, I wanted I wanted some tib fib fractures. I wanted some some arterial blood yeah. spurts. Yeah, you know? I mean, based on the rest of the violence in the film, uh, that would fit, and it, it is kind of disappointing. The, the end. He does also uh, super villain monologue a bit. He does, which wasn't fully. I mean, the information was necessary, but not the way he did it. But yeah. I mean. It's a minor complaint. So anyway, uh, the next day they go to turn the stamps back over to the United States Embassy, and she sees a Marine outside of the embassy, and uh, she's like, where would I return this to? Uh, oh, you'll uh, return it to the, uh, uh, the Treasury, ma'am. Terrible, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll return it to the Treasury, ma'am. See? Uh, <laughs> so she goes to the Office of the Treasury, she opens the door as Cary Grant leaves her in the lobby. And who is it? But it's Cary Grant sitting there in the office of the Treasury as Brian Crookshank. And he makes an amazing face. Yes. Uh, that I think is probably on your Mount Rushmore of faces. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's a fun face, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, and he proposes marriage to Audrey Hepburn's character, seemingly jokingly, but she takes it seriously, mm. and they kiss. Uh, but here's what I want to ask you. Yes. <clears throat> yep. The I've... way Cary Grant plays it, I think there is room to interpret that he is still lying. I was thinking like that myself. Like, lying, as in he's not fully working? lying, Yes. I was thinking about that. I was waiting for something more definitive than just calling his secretary. Like I was waiting for like a, like a you know like a bald guy, actual Walter Matthau's character, Bartholomew, to come yeah. in, baldy, and go. Mm. Oh, there you are, Brian. Well, good job. <laughs> no, I, yes. I, I'll tell you why not. Because like I was saying, how this is a a perfect movie. It, this movie is not interested in leaving loose ends. Um, a possibly better movie might, but this movie just wants the romance, the fun. It's it's cheap entertainment, but it's like good American craftsmanship that you would get from cheap entertainment back in the day. You know what I mean? Yes. Um. So, so I fully. I fully just accept uh, accept that. There's a, a moment, I think my favorite moment in the movie. Uh, throughout the movie, whenever he reveals his new alias, uh, she asks, married? He says... Uh, is there a Mrs.? Is Come there on, a Justin. Mrs.? Blah, 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 yeah. Uh, is there a Mrs.? He says, yes, divorce. Each time. 
This last time he says, uh, she says, is there a missus? He says, yes. And then she says divorced and he says, no. And she's that whole time has been, uh, uh, playing along like she always has but when he says it this time she kind of just goes oh yes sorry you know what all i right. mean yeah like all right she's she's dead Where, sorry i brought up your dead wife yeah well well like like oh oh so the the game is over yes. <laughs> you know and i think that i i love that moment uh because it's it's a really great audrey hepburn <laughs> acting thing yeah anywho Anywho, uh, so boys, how do we rate this movie? How do we rate it? Well, I just gotta say, I, I think I'm gonna need to watch it again before I can fully rate it because the copy I got was really janky. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like flip phone, like first year YouTube quality, and for some reason, some of the soundtrack, the wonderful soundtrack by Harry Mancini, mm-hmm. had been overdubbed with shit. <laughs> so here's the funny thing about this movie. Um, when it was released, it immediately entered the public domain because they fucked up the application to have it not be in the public domain. Interesting. Interesting. So you can literally just watch the raid for free so, at all times. So was that then um, your copy a 14-year-old boy's uh, musical experiment? <laughs> Maybe. And I rented it from the library. <laughs> I was expecting better. I knew something was up. Maybe we'll post it or something. But, like, it was the famous opening sequence with the animations. And then this, like, like 90s MIDI-generated reggaeton started playing. <laughs> that is probably exactly what happened. Because you can literally just do whatever you want to charade. Because they filed an invalid copyright notice as soon as the movie came out. Also, like, the print they lifted it from looks like it was found in the basement of, like, a like a Russian submarine where it was the only movie they had to watch for 30 years. Like, it, it had, like, the cigarette burns for changing reels. It was really manky. Anyway, yeah. it was a great movie. That being said, is it? am I completely wrong? But I feel like this movie is very underrated. It is. You really don't often see it spoken of in the same breath as a lot of movies from this time period, a lot of Hitchcock or a lot of like uh, other sort of romantic comedies of its ilk. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure why that is like a fucking uh, cactus flower, I think, or uh, has a, a criterion collection edition. Mm. I don't know why this does doesn't other than the weird copyright <laughs> issues and the fact that it's public domain. Mm. Wait, what'd you say? That it's not? It's Criterion. Does it have a Criterion? Yeah. Oh, I don't own it. You don't a- Stanley don't it. Ah. No. Um, um, uh, oh, interesting. Is the Criterion uh, version good? Not really. It was <laughs> it was like oh, early okay. Criterion. Uh, 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 fuck this movie. Roman Holiday's better. Uh, I give it 10 out of 10 Cary Grant Kiaz to that guy's gun. <laughs> pretty good um i give it um four and a half um uh carrie grant 60 year old uh man leaps between windows north by northwest that's not a knife <laughs> oh christ charade that's a knife <laughs> music 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 music, music. music. <laughs> Music, music, <laughs> music, 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 music. Back to me.
This week on the pod, we listen to the 2018 record by Mitski, fifth studio record, uh, Be the Cowboy, a record that was released to much fanfare, public radio playing attention, and good reviews, generally. We're going to find out what Great we th- reviews. We're going to find out what we think of it uh, momentarily. It was recorded, uh, Supposedly, it was recorded at uh, Retro City Studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where Frank works and will soon live. Uh, Red Bull, uh, the name of a studio in Los Angeles, California. And apparently, and this is from Wikipedia, so take this with a grain of salt, Gradwell House in Haddon Heights, New Jersey, a place that uh, me and Justin have heard of and know people that have recorded there like it's a project studio I in the suburbs. I think shortly in, in uh, community college... I quickly dropped out of it, but uh, one of the people uh, who ran that uh, studio was a was teaching a recording class, which I took for two. Uh, so there you go. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon between us and Miss, Miss Miski. What do we think? I'm going to jump us off here in that I've never heard a record or an artist who more definitively needs to write a James Bond song. Oh, <laughs> oh hell yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yes. Yeah. Uh she is um her her voice or at least her singing style is so very melodramatic in a good way. Um she's very Bowie, she's very uh Nico. It was bugging the hell out of me, but she's ex- and I was trying to place it and this was the last person on my mind for some reason, but she's extremely Tom York. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, it's it's not any of the big singles. It's it's a lot of the the flowery, echoey in between songs, the short ones. And I was just railing my mind, going, "Who does this remind me exactly of?" And it's Tom York. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that. Uh, this uh, record highly reminds me of Radiohead in general. Uh, it uh, highly reminds me of Radiohead and it highly reminds me of the Pixies. Like, yes, almost borderline derivatively reminds me of the Pixies. In, it in reminds places. me of the Pixies too, except that I like it. Oh, eat shit and die, you fuck. Subtext Frank doesn't like the Pixies. That, 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 we'll get she's to a, it. She's a better singer than uh, Frank Black. Oh, that's oh, not even Jesus fucking Christ. The oh. ultimate apples and oranges. <laughs> but I, I haven't heard uh, somebody who has been more, who's more influenced by the Pixies um, in a real way. Uh, a lot of people are uh, influenced by them uh, sonically. You got the famous uh, loud, loud, quiet, quiet loud uh, aesthetic. Um, this is structurally songwriting, uh, chord progression, chord progressions, lift it. 
I will say that the second track on the album. So many chord progressions. I know, I know. But uh, the second track on the album could almost be a just a remix, uh, in the new sense of the word, of uh, Wave of Mutilation. Because she seems to wear her influences uh, on her sleeve. She's that uh, kind of musician, which I I appreciate. There are Pixies stuff in this. There is almost inexplicably a uh, Harry Nilsson song, uh, Me and My Husband. Yeah. Um, There are some country-ish songs there uh are some starkly beautiful uh uh ballads there are some uh uh Chaka rock stomping songs this is a very uh eclectic album uh which i uh, it took me a little while to appreciate that fact i would say what struck me when I first listened to this, because I had any of you listened to her previous work before this? Uh, very little. I I, I had, had I had um uh, uh discovered Connie Converse, and then I read an article that named two musicians, and then one of them was Mitski, and I was like, oh, this is awesome thing that like underground thing <laughs> and it's mine. And then the next night she was on the daily show. She was li- like for context, Mitski is incredibly popular. <laughs> I don't know. Shit. Yeah. Um, so I had never, I knew who she was obviously. And she has been acclaimed, uh, at least since bury me at Makeout Creek, uh, from a few years ago and even more acclaimed with puberty Two from uh, a couple years after that. Um, but this one, I think a lot of people treat it as a little bit of a paradigm shift uh, in terms of the quality of her music. Uh, so I went, I like, I was completely cold. I, it's not that I didn't want to listen to Mitski. It's just that I never bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, from song one was like, Oh shit. Okay. This is pretty cool. Cause there's that little audio glitch sound. Yeah. That she does at the beginning of Geyser, and it's like, I appreciate when they do, like, musicians will do things that I don't expect.
for the virtue of it being an unexpected thing that doesn't detract from the texture of the song, it still feels like it fits. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I think I can get on board with this. And I was on board with the whole record because you're right, Justin, it does do a lot of different things mm-hmm. and it does all of them very well. I, I kind of, I'm not quite sure what I make of this record. Uh, it's, it's not a slam dunk for me. Um, it's, uh, you guys appreciate the eclecticness. I kind of wish it was a bit more coherent. Uh, in, in I see that. I, I don't disagree. I with see. That. Yeah. Uh, especially the song you mentioned, the Harry Nielsen esque, uh, "Me and My Husband." Um, especially after um, I thought it was kind of like autobiographical, and I looked it up, and it's not the case. It's it's like a fictional narrative, and I'm like, thank God it's not autobiographical. She spends the rest of the record uh, pining with thirst. So <laughs> I was yeah. like that. Pining for kisses, <laughs> kisses, and yeah, uh, and uh, at the same time, though, um, uh, and we'll do a quick poll. We'll do a quick straw poll of these folks. Can music give you goosebumps? Justin? Yeah, Frank. I don't. Supposedly, I mean, it's literally. It's I. I can't remember the last time it happened. Right. Is it, I, metaphorically, I have that reaction. Yeah, I, I, um, I, and I think it's one of those things where it's like a genetically influenced, if not determined, thing. Uh, the song "Nobody" consistently gives me goose flesh, mm. like full body goose flesh. Just like everything else on this record, it's really simple. Uh, it's a lot of just kind of, you know, it's just ascending, descending chords and uh, then a really simple uh, jazz progression that modulates a few times. Yeah, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's just so disorienting. And there's a lot of that on this record. This this reminds me of vintage Radiohead. It reminds me of vintage garbage. It reminds me of when records were big productions. This record is a big production and a so big that it was recorded in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. And part of me kind of wishes at times, uh, you know, where it, and when it has synth pads and horns and guitars and roomy drums, and it's, you know, it's like Kate Bush and uh, brass band. And I sometimes I maybe wish it had a little bit less production value. Yes. It's a lot. Yeah. I, I think um, the, the songs I love uh, the most on this, are the ones that are much more stripped down. Um, and yes, this does feel like, and I'm very interested to uh, check out her earlier music because if this is such a paradigm shift, I think I might like her earlier stuff more than this because yeah. it does feel like it's a, um, a highly produced album, but to her credit, the songs are never lost. Yeah, within the production, 
which is a, a knock I would have against people sometimes like Radiohead or St. Vincent. Mm. Or, yeah, St. Vincent was definitely on my radar for my listening to this record. I hope that's not just a uh, lady artist thing, lady art rock thing. But I, I just I feel like they could be maybe held up as foils to one another or mm. collab. I don't know. Yeah. Or not foils, anti foils, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comrades. Um, but I love, uh, uh, well, one, the one song I've listened to like a hundred times, I I'm weird and I'll get fixated on a song, but washing machine, uh, heart, uh, is, uh, everything. I think my favorite, my favorite is when she uh, gets uh, sad and quiet. Um, a horse called Cold, cold Air. air. Um, hold, it, hold it. Come on, everybody. I'm on a horse called oh, Cold fuck Air. Fuck yourself. <laughs> fuck yourself. Is this very small, interesting. <laughs> Not even the lyrics to that fucking song. <laughs> You're a fucking piece of work. You shit. <laughs> but uh, the horse one that I just said, uh, it's it's small, it's short, it's uh, it's spare, it's uh, got cold air. Got cold air. Uh, I think it's it's Much fucking like the cold air outside. Oh God, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> but I think it's it's great. There are a lot of, of a few songs on this that I feel are great. A lot of them just the the more reverby big songs feel very samey to me. Not very, but uh, not only to each other on the record, but to a lot of just stuff that's going on now. But yeah. I can see that there's the core of of her and her music uh, uh, is very interesting. I just checked the uh, personnel on this record interesting fact and this was bugging me i was wondering this basically she did everything unless otherwise specified mm. and the otherwise specified is that her longtime collaborator uh patrick highland uh who's worked with her on many records uh did a saxophone solo and remember my name a uh, great uh sex anthem uh and philly fatness a philadelphia brass band so more credibility to the concept of her being in Haddon Heights for some fucking reason. Uh, did some brass work. And that's it. So I guess everything you hear on this is uh, Mitski uh, themselves. Which I was wondering, because I was wondering if this was too many cooks in the kitchen. But apparently it's one cook going hog wild. <laughs> yeah, it's one cook doing a lot. How about you, Frank? Any songs that stand out? 
Uh, like I said, Geyser, the first one, and um, A Pearl. Like Those were the songs I responded the most to. And I don't know if it's just like... I I, I think she's a, a, a good guitar player and not obviously an amazing guitar player, but like her guitar work, for whatever reason, on those songs in particular, just like something clicked with me where I felt like, oh, I'm I'm listening to something that is both in my wheelhouse and a little bit outside of it because um, her lyrics uh, have a particular amount of emotional sort of, I don't know if I want to call it forthrightness, but she is both very direct and also very arch because like Justin pointed out, a lot of her songs are like character based and just sort of talking about a type while also being sort of accurate to probably what her own feelings are. So much of the, a lot of the music feels very Angelo Badalamenti and um, what's the lady singer from Twin Peaks? Julie Cruz. Julie Cruz. I, I'd be interested to hear her earlier stuff, but she sings a lot of torch songs. Puberty yeah. too, I think, in particular, is supposed to be very torch songy. It does sound a bit like Angelo Badalamenti. I was just staring at the cover of this record while listening to it, and I was just thinking, I personally don't think this rec- record's going to age too well. Mm. Uh, mm. In, in terms, of, it's using a lot of of the moment audio things mm-hmm. like uh, new old synth and uh, chorusing synth in particular. Uh, I think, and especially when I look at the cover, I don't know if you two have this, I still go to CD shops, record shops, and there are certain records in used CD shops where they will just have a stack of 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. like a certain Liz fair record or like an Asa bass record or a certain just, it's not the most it's not the best record by them, but it's usually the biggest and usually has their biggest single. Uh, I have a feeling in 10 years, there won't be still CDs or CD shops, but if there were, there'd be a whole stack of be the cowboy for $2. Mm. That's just a theory. I hope that's not too harsh a criticism. Uh, I don't think it is because a a thing uh, about the hype around this album, I feel kind of bad for her because like, because yes, she, very well might do the next Bond song. And then she's going to be at uh, such a fame level that there's, there's no quality (laughs) will, will come of it. And that that's happened so many times. Uh, I mean, look at, I mean, I, I haven't listened to too much of her, but based on what you're saying, like, look at like St. Vincent and stuff, you know, she got huge, and now she's just a, uh, she's a celebrity musician. You know what I mean? Yeah, she just shows up at Taylor Swift concerts. Mm-hmm. Oh, Saint Vincent. Do you think she um, uh, Mitski's going to work with Angelo Badalamenti in the same way uh, Saint Vincent worked with David Byrne? 
Oh man, that David Bernstein Vincent record. <laughs> no, she's gonna work. She's gonna work with Black Frank, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, because she has great taste and the Pixies are wonderful. Fuck you, Frank. P U. Uh, okay. It smells like farts. <laughs> so, do you give this a, uh, a genuine kiss, a movie kiss, or uh, let's see. What other kinds of kisses, or do you do do you give it a, a dirty shoes and a washing machine? I give it a um, a movie kiss. You give it a movie kiss. I give it a movie I, kiss. I also give it a movie kiss, like a big old movie kiss. Like I a, give it a Cary Grant deflated volleyball. Uh, <laughs> I give, rub, rubbing your faces, rubbing the lips dry against one another. <laughs> movie kiss. <laughs> Cascading your wrinkles onto <laughs> Audrey Hepburn's face. Just so much makeup colliding. Yes, indeed, Mitski reminds me of the Pixies and Radiohead. So many great mm-hmm. things that had part of their heyday in the yeah, 90s. The 90s. Which also included Frasier! Dr. Frasier Crane makes a bet with his pappy that he can he's a good psychiatrist love me daddy love me appreciate me daddy <laughs> i can tell a crook by his cover but you can't you can't phrase your crane but then he tries he doesn't the crook it's goes the out title with, of the, episode. the crook goes out with daphne and everybody is upset by this they get away in the end billiards Frasier season one episode uh, 15, you can't tell a crook by his cover. Or can you? You can't. This episode was not great. What? Say what now? There are a couple of things that are mm, not good. But <laughs> I, I consider this a classic. Classic? Yeah. A fucking classic. Did I s- stutter? <laughs> I think one no. thing this episode does that I think is kind of important is, like the last episode, it establishes Daphne, uh, puts Daphne around some bad men again, and once more, just like with the bulldog last time, she knows how to handle herself. She's a tough broad. She's Mancunian. She's from Manchester with uh, with uh, Joy Division and uh, the Smiths. The, ha- the Happy Mondays. And uh, they-, they don't take shit from nobody. <laughs> no, especially not that dancing guy in the Happy Mondays. I forget what that guy's name was. So many dancing guys. Morrissey, toughest bloke this side of the English River. Uh, so yeah, she don't need no. She ain't no damsel in distress. If anything, she saves the Crane Boys. These these uh, fey failing male archetypes. So I think that sets up a really important dynamic for the entire series. And I will pulp. The two Zivias, if you guys disagree, Frank got it. Thanks. So you know what uh, I I dislike about this episode is it's predicated on the fact that ex-cop Martin Crane constructs a parlor game around the idea of guess which one of these living, breathing human beings is a convicted felon and therefore unworthy of consideration. See, no, no, that's where you're wrong and you're an idiot. Is that, is that one of my poker buddies is a convicted felon. He's such a nice guy. I am a nice guy. I thought yeah. they kind of moderated it somewhat. And they, they, had, they had a debate about it. Yes. 
Um, Martin, Martin fully does, uh, in context, think of him as a, a person. It's once they find out that uh, Daphne's going on a date with him that everybody is revealed to be a, a fucking hypocrite, except yes. for Frazier. Frazier comes out pretty Scott clean throughout this entire episode, except... <laughs> Do you want to say it, Frank? No, or, you say it. Okay. Uh, except he's going around uh, trying to uh, sniff out the criminal. <laughs> and uh, the lady, the one lady there, uh, sees Daphne and says she's hot. Hey, Marty, she's pretty nice. Yeah, and sexy, too, you dirty old man. Oh. Yep. And Frazier's like, interesting. <laughs> you find her attractive, do you? Hey, a case of the lesbianism, I see. <laughs> I, I wanted you to say it. <laughs> you must have been in prison because... Attraction to one's own sex is a not uncommon result of long and forced periods of time spent exclusively in their company. <laughs> this was a time in the 90s where, and you'll get this a lot on Friends too, mm. where just the word lesbian mm. was the funniest word that these comedy writers... <laughs> Like, oh my god! Think of <laughs> lesbian. Yeah. It's true. I have we talked about this on the pod before about how the '90s are the worst because before the '90s, um, homosexuality was just straight up not acknowledged on television. Uh, and then the 90s come along, and it's, at the time, a step forward that we're acknowledging the existence of uh, homosexuality. But it's always a punchline. Wow, Frazier, I may have underestimated you. Really? Yeah, you're making a bigger jackass of yourself than I thought. And everybody's really uncomfortable with it. And they're trying, but so ineptly. Uh, best best exemplified by Seinfeld. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that episode. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of the benchmark of shitty handling. And Frasier has a lot of these yes. episodes. So many. And you know what? It's going to have a lot of these episodes because it takes place in Seattle, which is uh, one of the gayest cities in America. Uh, happily. There's a great one with Patrick Stewart. There's a, the Patrick Stewart one, which is phenomenal. There's yes. one where Frasier's boss at the station thinks... Which we'll get, we'll get to faster. Uh, there's one where the father of a girl Frazier's trying to woo has a crush on Martin, mm-hmm. which is just hilarious. There's a lot of them. Uh, I feel like yeah. there's one with Niles, I want to say. Uh, yes. Uh, 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 Guy. Oh, I'm not Guy. Gay. Guy. <laughs> That's a great no, one. Uh, Guy loves Frazier. No, no, Guy loves... No, you mean to tell me <laughs> that in this vortex oh, of hormones... Right, right, right. <laughs> But and nobody would it be. Not it's roiling with sexual tension. <laughs> and not anyone had directed it at me. I am wounded. Uh, anyway, this episode stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... It had some, like, again, like all these early, like, it had some weird camera work, which was just bizarre, like the slow motion thing with the trick shot uh, Daphne was doing on the billiards table. Which worked. It worked. It, it worked, worked in the 
episode. I'm just saying it's weird. It's, it's weird, weird for the show. It's weird, but it's fun. Uh, I think, especially if you're comparing it to the rest of this season, uh, I think this season has just like a, a couple of classics. Hold on tight, guys. The next episode's great. Also, did you catch the stars and bars on the bald guy's uh, denim vest? Yes. Straight we up. We can still do that. Indies. Straight up hate symbol. Oh, you can still yeah. do it in the twenty uh, teens, Frank. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just the kind of person you are. That's all. So, uh, what do you give it, guys? I personally give it uh, on a scale of uh, sinking six balls all at once and being pulped outside of the topaz room. I give it a run for it. I'm giving it uh, six gay geese. I'm giving it five double-breasted suits. <laughs> Not outside of Stephen Harvey do we see so many buttons on a blazer. All right. Coming up on recommendations. Gonna tell you what to check out. This is the stinger. Everybody, felicitations, recommendations. Listen to us. Alright. Uh who's got some recommendations? I'll start. <laughs> uh so I'm a I'm majorly addicted to the internet and uh the algorithms of YouTube brought me uh something I like. So I'm sure you've probably heard of the comedy outfit cracked. Uh yes. They do a few things that are amazing. They've really, like a lot of internet outlets, including this week, uh, they've really pared back on their staff uh, and what they put out. But I think happily something they still do uh, is a it's it's a video video podcast brief thing where they take on a point in kind of a nebulous staged conversational way. It's called After Hours. Where oh, they stopped doing that because all those people got laid off. No. <laughs> They all got laid off and, or quit. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> they stopped doing After Hours, I think, like a year ago. Or maybe I, even more than that. I, I thought I saw a ago. recent one. No. I well, think the I highly recommend there. watching the back catalog. There's a lot of them, like maybe 100 or so. Yeah, uh, that show started when I was in college, so it's been around yeah, a while. Yeah, it's been around. It was like 2012 when it started. Yeah. Oh man, it's so funny. It's basically what I thought I wanted this to be, except better in every conceivable way. Uh, they were all professional comedy writers too. Their, their, their points are more cogent. It's funny. They're better looking than us. Uh, it's amazing. So just go watch that instead of listening to this podcast. Case Michael closed. Michael Swaim is not better looking than us. <laughs> yeah, but that soaring guy is. Let me tell you. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, cracked uh, after hours. I guess the long canceled. Uh, video <laughs> I'm content. late to the party. This is a podcast that's reviewing, 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 reviewing. Uh, be the cowboy now. So uh, you know, par for the course. What do you got, Justin? I've got nothing, <laughs> Frank. <laughs> uh, speaking of late to the party, I finally recently went through. Uh, both seasons of the classic sitcom I'm Alan Partridge, mm. uh, which is a sitcom starring Steve Coogan as his most famous comedic creation, Alan Partridge, 
who is a sort of pompous and venal uh, radio broadcaster who is a failed uh, TV talk show host in the UK. Uh, it is great. The comedy is amazing. Uh, I watched it while I had a really severe sinus infection, and I laughed myself into multiple coughing fits. Did you laugh uh, yourself uh, healthy? Did you no? Did you kick that ethnically ambiguous Mucinex family out of your sinuses? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Ralph Cramden Mucinex, <laughs> uh, Peter Griffin, <laughs> uh, um, mucus plug. Yeah, I think I got him out of there. <laughs> what is with that, by the way? I don't know. They're trying to like gentrify the uh, the mucus blob man, yeah. so it's less racist and problematic, but. but that's that's a weird commercial (laughs) well i think that just kind of tells you what it does to you it kind of fucks you up a little bit yeah just looks deeply depressed and i don't know why (laughs) it just comes in waves guys i'm used to it oh boy so uh what are we doing next week we might do a thing but we won't know yet (laughs) You'll find out. It's going to be a surprise. It's a surprise. Why? It might be Mohan driving East finally joining us. But if it's not. Please uh, write reviews of us on iTunes. Please go visit uh, Justin's three Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. Uh, One for his band Wonderfalls. It's at welcome underscore to underscore Wonderfalls. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And then there's some things that made me cry. If you want to see things that made him cry. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there's our Instagram, which is at PlaidLadsPod. Mm-hmm. That's our Twitter feed, at PlaidLadsPod. Please uh, write reviews on iTunes, because otherwise Justin is just going to have to keep writing fake reviews, <laughs> and we don't want that. Yeah. You give us five stars, we read it on the air, even if it's negative. Yeah. We'll, we'll take your fucking five stars. We'll take you your... Drag where's, us. Uh, we just were lonely, and we want to know that there are other people out there. And I'm not convinced anymore, guys. Not with There's all of one the... other person, and it's Lindsay. Yes. <laughs> Shout, Shout out, out to Lindsay. Lindsay. <laughs> uh, find Tom's music, elbowache.bandcamp.com. Yeah, that's correct. Elbowacheband.bandcamp.com? <laughs> no, Elbowacheband is the uh, Instagram, nice. but I'm not really active on that. Okay. It's mostly me posting my cat and pictures of like the moon and shit. Follow Fish Table Art. You can cut that out if you don't want it. Yeah, I used to paint. That's on Instagram. Fish table art, I guess. Uh, anything else, fellas? No, I no. think that's it. I'm uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Jesus Christ.